Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. I'm Alejandro Suniga, your host here with episode five of Behind Enemy Lines. This is where we take a close look, an insider's look, at the Michigan football team's upcoming opponent. And of course, this week, we have the Iowa Hawkeyes on the road, the first road test for the Michigan football team this year. And I'm so excited to have with me today, Sean Bach who covers all things Iowa for 24-7 sports over at the Hawkeye Insider. Sean, how you doing today? Alejandro, I'm doing good, man. It's uh, nice to be back in the big Ten play. Obviously, the, the non-conference opponents get you kind of settled up for Big Ten, and it's always a pretty fun week when Michigan comes to town, too, so I'm looking forward to it. Well, certainly, I think uh, Iowa's opponents in the non-conference probably taught them a little bit more than Michigan's did. Uh, given who Michigan faced. Uh, But yeah, this will be a first big road test for the Michigan football team. First time going on the road. First start for J.J. McCarthy on the road. And of course, a rematch of the 2021 Big Ten Championship game, uh, which longtime fans of both programs will recall was a 42-3 victory for the Wolverines. Uh, But talking to Jim Harbaugh this week, he said, he does not expect a game that's going to be as lopsided in score. Uh, in fact, what he explained was, you know, if you recall the Big Ten Championship game, yeah, this 39-point point scoreline is big, but this was a game that was a lot closer. It took a couple big plays in the first half to really, you know, open the floodgates, so to speak. Uh, but for most of that first half, even outside those two big plays, it was a very evenly played game. Uh, as we now turn to the 2022 season, Iowa has had a little bit of, of an uncomfortable start to the 2022 season, at least from an outsider's perspective. Uh, started the season with a very narrow victory over South Dakota State, uh, then lost in that rivalry game against Iowa State, but has since rebounded a bit against Nevada and Rutgers. Uh, Sean, I'm going to toss it over to you. For, from the outside, there's a lot of talk about the Iowa offense. Uh, There's just a lot of talk about the Iowa program in general. Uh, What has changed about the Hawkeyes since we last saw them in December? uh, And how has the first quarter of the season gone? I'll tell you what, I I don't think there's a whole ton that has changed. I mean, there have been a couple guys that were drafted from last year's team. Tyler Linderbaum being a first-round pick by the Baltimore Ravens at the offense at the center position. I'm sure we'll talk about that later on in the podcast. They lost a couple of defensive backs, but Iowa always seems to really reload at this position. 
there's a, there's much of the same on the offense too. I mean, outside of Tyler Goodson leaving for the NFL, he was Iowa's leading rusher last year. Charlie Jones and Tyrone Tracy, two wide receivers that entered the transfer portal this offseason. Tyrone did it, I think, a few days after the Big Ten Championship, while Charlie Jones did it in June or in late May around there, kind of out of nowhere. And I'm sure Big Ten fans, Michigan fans, are well aware of what Charlie Jones has done this year at Purdue, being one of the breakout stars in college football this year. And that narrative has kind of really played into this Iowa season as well with the lack of success, one would say, with Iowa's offense. And it starts with, I think it starts up front, truthfully, with the some of the struggles of the offensive line. And it's easy to point fingers at Spencer Petrus, and I think that's definitely a, a cause for concern with some of the throws that he's been unable to make, his lack of mobility. Um, but I think there's a lot of different different reasons why this offense is, has struggled the way the way it has. But in a more positive light, I mean, the defense has been spectacular. There's, they, they lost a couple of guys, like I mentioned before. They lost Zach Van Valkenburg on the defensive line, um, who is a Zealand native out of Michigan. Um, they've lost a couple of defensive backs to the NFL as well. But they returned all their linebackers, and Jack Campbell being one of the best linebackers in the Big Ten. This defensive line, I think, has been really good for Iowa when it comes to getting pass rush and you know, defending against the run as well in some areas. And the secondary, too, despite losing a number of starters, have been really, really good. I mean, losing or having Riley Moss, getting Riley Moss back, who was the Big Ten defensive back of the year last year, was really important. They've lost a couple guys to injuries. Jamari Harris is out for the year. He was supposed to be a starter. Terry Roberts, who I think is going to be good to play on Saturday, but we'll talk to Kirk Ferentz later today to get the whole scoop on that. He's been really good. Um, Cooper DeGene, who was a former four-star from Northwest Iowa, small-town Iowa, has been spectacular. Quinn Schulte, a walk-on um, from Cedar Rapids area. There's been a really lot, a lot of good things with this Iowa defense that, that has made it, you know, this team successful in some way so far. I mean, I know you look at the record and obviously the performance against South Dakota State in the season opener was very underwhelming. The loss to Iowa State was disappointing. Um, the win over Nevada – uh, I think a lot of people look at how long that game went instead of the final result and kind of view that. But, I mean, the win over Rutgers was really encouraging. And, I mean, the special teams aspect as well has been really important. Tori Taylor, the Australian native, being one of the, the best punters in, in the country this year. Um, the kicker, I think they were still trying to figure that out a little bit, but it seems like true freshman Drew Stevens has really taken on that role. And um, punt coverage and kickoff and has really just been good too. So, you know, it's it's a team that's really prided itself on defense and special teams. Um, offense has obviously left a lot to be desired this year, but it's one of those teams where, yes, like offense has not been good, but the defense and special teams have been able to make plays and really keep them involved in some of those games. But it's definitely – the offense has definitely been a glaring weakness that has shown up against games like South Dakota State and Iowa State where – you know, against the Jackrabbits, Iowa won, but Iowa State, you're not going to be able to put up seven points and really lack offensively when you have when you only um, against a Power Five opponent like Iowa State. And you know that was the story. And you know, Rutgers is a little bit better, but Iowa had to have a couple defensive touchdowns too to get some of those points. So, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the synopsis of the team this year. There there are a couple of, you know, pieces where they're still figuring it out offensively. And, you know, there was reason to believe that there's, you know, 
going to be more production on offense based on what they showed at Rutgers. But defense and special teams have really been the story for this Iowa team this year. Well, we'll go ahead and get started with the defense. Usually we start offense, then defense. But I think in in honor of Iowa, uh, which has one of the best defenses in the conference, if not the country, uh, we, we should start with that side of the ball. Uh, Coach Jim Harbaugh uh, was talking at length during his Monday press conference about the Parker way, about uh, Iowa defensive coordinator Phil Parker and the system he has built up uh, over in Iowa City over years and, and decades uh, into creating this program kind of in his image. And I think this year, at least from the outside, looks like is one of his better years. Uh, so far this season, uh, the Hawkeyes lead the country in scoring defense at 5.8 points per game. Uh, they are elite in rushing defense. They rank sixth, sixth in the country there, 14th in passing defense, sixth in total defense. Uh, and you just mentioned the couple of nice plays against Rutgers. Uh, I think it's important to note that the defense actually outscored the offense in that game for Iowa. Uh, I think the defense actually outscored Rutgers by themselves too. Uh, but more importantly, they scored the first two touchdowns of the game uh, with one of the more impressive pick sixes I've ever seen. Uh, that was Cooper DeGene, uh, you just mentioned, uh, a, a, four, a former four-star, but like a, a Willie Mays over-the-shoulder catch and then turning around and using his blockers like a return man or, or like a wide receiver or running back uh, to get into the end zone. Uh, and then later in the first half against Rutgers, a scoop and score. Um, I guess when we're talking about the Iowa defense, uh, what exactly is the Parker way? And you mentioned pre-show that that this defense has just been so consistent. It's almost it's almost like there's nothing new to talk about it because of how like how well the scheme is installed. Uh, I guess what if you're a Michigan fan and or if you're a Michigan attacking this, what are some of the ways? Phil Parker and his Parker way can be exploited. So when it comes to being exploited, I think sometimes Iowa may struggle with speed. And I think mobile quarterbacks, especially guys that can extend plays and maybe when your defense is locked in on getting those receivers downfield and covering downfield, then those quarterbacks can kind of sneak and get some extra yards here or there and really keep you honest as a defense. And, I mean, there's really not a whole ton of those in the Big Ten West. Um, you know, there's there's been a couple in years past. Um, but, I mean, there's been Penn State that Iowa's really been bothered by that. Um, and that's one of the one of the ones same few or one of the ones at the top of my head. But that's an area where Iowa could improve. And this – I think time of possession is really important, too. And this kind of relates back to the Iowa, Iowa offense. But Iowa was on the – Iowa's defense – does not have a ton of breaks with the way Iowa's offense has performed in various games this year. And the Iowa state game was really one that stood out to me because they, it just seemed, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but it just seemed like the Iowa offense, every single possession, it was either, you know, you have three plays quick three and out, you have five or six plays maybe, but it just was a quick drive. And before you knew it, the Iowa defense was back on the field and, that really took a toll on that Iowa defense. And there was a really a prime example of that is when Iowa State recovered a fumble on the one yard on 
their own one yard line um, when the Iowa's fullback Monty Potabom tried to jump over the pile uh, to to get into the end zone, but one of the Iowa State defenders um, punched the ball free, and Iowa State got the ball again and drove. They drove ninety nine pl- or ninety nine yards right down the field. I couldn't tell you the exact time, but I think it was around twenty one or twenty three plays. And Iowa's defense just like exhausted at that point. I think it was that was either early or late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. But at that point, Iowa's defense just looked absolutely drained. And maybe that's just one example that really stands out. But time of possession, I think, is going to be really important because if Iowa can hold on to the ball and give this defense a lot, you know, less time on the field, then this defense could really maximize its potential. But if Michigan's defense is really holding up and the Iowa offense is getting a bunch of three and outs, then, you know, you're you're not going to be as successful on the defensive end. But if there's any defense that could do it, it's Iowa. I think the run game has – or the run defense has been really good. The defensive line has been really solid. There was a lot of talk about the linebacker core coming into this year. But the defensive line, I think, has been has been one of the strengths of this team. And the secondary has been really good, too. And one of the things that I think the Parker way that Harbaugh mentioned, um, one of the big things with Iowa is creating turnovers and causing havoc. They rely a lot on that pass rush to get the quarterback uncomfortable, make him make plays and force him to do things that, you know, he's characteristically not able to do. And then it all lies on the defensive backs, who I think are one of the best in the country when it comes to game planning, when it comes to understanding the, what the opponents want to do ahead of the game. And Iowa does a really good job of jumping passes, you know, causing a lot of havoc on the defensive side and the secondary that make those wide receivers and make the offense really uncomfortable. That's why I think a lot of these teams with Iowa, you know, I think it's important for them to establish the run. Granted, Iowa's been so good against the run. And if you try to go over the top with Iowa, they have guys that can make plays and really, you know, extend a lot of ground and cover a lot of ground that that make it tough to get those plays over the top that maybe J.J. McCarthy would make. Or I know Kay McNamara didn't as much, but, you know, I know J.J.'s got a really nice arm and can make those plays downfield. But with Iowa, you're just solid across the board. And you have guys, linebackers, that cover so much ground. I know Seth Benson may struggle a little bit in pass for, in, against uh, in coverage, but – He's able to get downhill and make plays against the run. Jack Campbell covers a lot of ground and is six foot five, two hundred forty nine pounds as a linebacker. That's really you don't see that that much. I mean, you get some big linebackers, but he sticks out for sure. And you know, just just this whole lineup and just the way that they're able to cause cause these turnovers and just cause so much havoc on the defensive end really makes them that. That's why they're so talented. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh spoke this week about how Iowa tries to out-execute you, uh, that not they not necessarily have individually uh, the best athletes on the field, but uh, they do not make mistakes. And Zach Zinter, one of the offensive linemen, commented that one of the big focuses for the Michigan offense this week is making sure that they don't turn the ball over, uh, making sure that every single assignment that the offense has that they, you know, maintain their leverage. uh, They hit the right gaps. They are blocking the right guy because if you don't do that, the Iowa defense with this scheme that is so established and, you know, with this system 
that that has been just a constant for years uh, that they will take advantage of it, and they certainly have, as as they showed against uh, against Rutgers last week. All right, we are going to take a quick break. Uh, this would be a good time if you have children uh, to to move them away or or turn the radio channel, whatever you need to do, uh, because we're going to come back in a moment and talk about the Iowa offense. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And we are back, folks, on the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com, previewing the Michigan-Iowa game with Sean Bach of the Hawkeye Insider. Uh, We just spoke about the Iowa defense. Uh, We're going to change gears and talk about the offense now. Uh, The offense, as we have alluded to, uh, has had its share of struggles. Uh, The Hawkeyes rank last in the Big Ten in almost every major statistical category, including scoring offense, rushing offense, passing offense, total offense, and first downs. Uh, Michigan fans who watched the Big Ten Championship game last year will remember the quarterback, Spencer Petras. Uh, He has been the established number one and has remained the number one uh, despite some of his struggles this year. Uh, The biggest offensive target is still Sam Laporta, Uh, the big tight end who returned to the program despite some NFL interest. Uh, He led the team last week against Rutgers with four receptions for 77 yards. Uh, That is three more receptions than all of Iowa's wide receivers combined had. Uh, But Sean, I've been looking at that Rutgers game and I've been looking at some of the coverage over at the Hawkeye Insider and it does seem like there are some positives and it looks like there are some some positive signs uh for the Iowa offense so I guess what what has gone so badly in the early going and what are some of the signs that the program might be able to turn it around yeah there have been a couple reasons why this offense has really struggled at the way that has and I think one of the things you can point to is injuries. Iowa in the season opener against South Dakota State was down to one scholarship wide receiver in Arlen Bruce and that includes guys like Keegan Johnson, Nico Regani that were out, and a couple of others like Brody Brecht and Jacob Bostic, two younger, more bigger receivers that they were really excited about that have been hampered by injuries. And while Regani and Brecht are back, Johnson's still hanging, you know, with that injury, he's still bugged by that. And Bostic is also, last we knew, has been bugged by that injury as well. So I think Petrus, not, I mean, Iowa likes the guys, the walk-ons that it has, but I think the guys inside the program would tell you that they weren't ready to be, you know, Big Ten receivers in their second or third year. 
in the program. They were more later on in their career. Um, so that was definitely an area of weakness for, for a bit. I mean, those guys kind of struggled to get separation at, at the line of scrimmage and struggled to really get much release too. And, you know, there was kind of just seemed to be some, I don't know, not, not as much chemistry with Petrus in that regard, as opposed to guys like Sam Laporta and Nico Regani. So that was definitely a glaring weakness. The offensive line, there still seems to be some juggling along up front. Um, I think a lot of people underestimated the loss of Tyler Linderbaum because with Logan Jones, who was actually defensive tackled for his first two years in Iowa City, flipped to the offensive line this past spring and is now working at center, now at the starting center. And he was a really good offensive lineman in high school, probably one of the better ones in the state when he was a senior and even a junior too. But that adjustment to the offensive line, I think a lot, or that center position, especially not a lot of people are aware of just how difficult that may be. And Linderbaum made it look pretty easy. Granted, he had some struggles to start, excuse me, but there seems to be some, as Kirk Ferentz would say, glitches when it comes to, you know, the snap being slow, the offensive line, maybe getting a late start um, or a late jump when the ball is snapped and, there just seems to be some disconnect that they're still kind of working out. And it seems like some of the rotations they're working with too are a little, are a little, uh, you know, not to where it needs to be at this point. So pass protection, I think they've gotten some good help from the tackles. Sometimes they struggle. Sometimes they don't the interior. There still seems to be some mixing and matching at both of the guard spots. Really. It seems like the only positions that are really locked in at this point are the left tackle and Mason Richmond, the right tackle and Connor Colby two guys that were four stars on 24-7 sports that had made early con- contributions at Iowa. But there still seems to be a rotation that they're kind of trying to figure out at the guard spots with whether that be Tyler Ellsbury, Jennings Dunker, Bo Stevens, and Nick DeYoung. They're still kind of working out where where that could go. And they could also move Colby to one of those spots if they decide to put Jack Plum at one of the tackle spots too. So there, there's some mixing and matching that seem to be still in the works. And you know, you'd like to have your offensive line, the starting guys or the main guys, you know, locked down right now, but they're still kind of working some things out, it seems. And I mean, we mentioned the passing game too. I think Petrus, you know, I think I think his upside could be high at the quarterback position, but you know, he's got a strong arm. Accuracy is a little eh. And I think he struggled with the mindset and the confidence that he needs that he had maybe in high school or maybe they had earlier in his career. And that's kind of maybe taken a toll on him. And I don't think some of the offensive schemes that Iowa has really fits him in certain areas. I think with rollouts, that that is something that they do a little bit that in the bootlegs that maybe aren't as successful. I mean, they do work from time to time, but yeah, I think you need more of a mobile quarterback for that type of, for that type of offensive sets. And I think Iowa too, this, this program and this offense has always been so, dependent on the run game and the offensive line that with the offensive line struggles that has really taken a a damper on the on the passing game and Iowa's ability to stretch the field and keep a defense honest because opponents are able to pack you know eight nine guys in the box and force Iowa to beat them through the pass but they haven't been able to do that and that's kind of had a really big effect on the run game and I mean I think one of the positives of the running game too Caleb Johnson, a true freshman from Ohio, has really been a bright spark. He had two touchdowns against Nevada. Um, looked pretty good against Rutgers, too. Gavin Williams and LaShawn Williams. LaShawn Williams is working his way back. He had uh, his father passed away earlier this year. 
Um, I think it was the Nevada week, and he looked really good in the bounce back game against Rutgers. Gavin Williams, who was expected to be the number one guy coming into this year, still is considered the number one guy. He has struggled with injuries. You know, he's been he's close to 100%, if not 100% right now. But it seems like Iowa's really gone to a three running back attack, which I think they did in the last time that they played Michigan at the Big House, not the Big Ten championship game. But when they played Michigan in 2019, I think Iowa went with three three different running backs. So I think you'll see much of the same of, of that against the Wolverines this year. Um, but it's really been a, a magnitude of things that have been, you know, not holding the offense back. And against Nevada, there was, there was issues with tight end drops. I mean, Sam LaPorta has been Iowa's most reliable guy the last two years on the outside. Um, even though he's listed as a tight end, he plays – you know, in a receiver role from time to time, more out wide, but he's also spends a lot of time blocking on that interior as an inline guy, but they're not afraid to put him and line him up on a receiver. So he had a couple of drops. I think Luke Lachey has done a really good job as that number two tight end, whether that be improved blocking or as a receiver too. Um, so I think tight ends have been a bright spot outside that Nevada game, but it always seems like there's one or two things that goes wrong with Iowa's offense this year that has held them back in some games like Iowa State. I mean, the run game wasn't good. I mean, granted, the conditions were not great. It was rainy. It was pretty wet. It was coming down pretty hard. But So the passing game wasn't there. But the offensive line, too, has struggled to get much movement up front or consistent movement up front. So that's been that's been a cause for concern. But there's been growth in the last two games. But Michigan's probably going to be the most talented team that Iowa plays this year up until Ohio State. And it's they're going to need these facets of the offense to really click or else it's going to be like years past. Yeah, I think it will be a good litmus test uh, probably for both lines. I think Michigan, Michigan's defensive line uh, looked fantastic against Colorado State in the opener, but it turns out that Colorado State maybe has the worst offensive line in all of college football. Uh, and then struggled a little bit in getting pressure last week against Maryland. Uh, and if, you know, if you had a front four uh, who could get pressure on Spencer Petras uh, and who could shut down the running game, that, that would be a, that would be one way in which the Wolverines could keep the Iowa offense off the field. And as you mentioned earlier, uh, really start to put pressure on the defense as the game goes on. Um, all right, well, we're going to switch gears on the offense now. And, and just generally speaking, uh, Jim Harbaugh said yesterday and repeating what so many others have said that Kinnick is a place where top five programs go to die. Uh, Harbaugh has seen that firsthand, of course, uh, back in 2016, uh, had a top five program losing on a walk-off kick. Uh, just like Michigan did in 1985 when one Jim Harbaugh was playing under center at the time. Uh, you know, this is a first road test for Michigan uh, and not an easy place to play. Uh, but it's not so much Harbaugh said that it's Kinnick. It's that the Hawkeyes are just a very solid team year after year. And you combine that with the, tif- the difficult environment. And that's what makes it a tough place to play. Uh, so, Sean, I guess... Uh, not necessarily Kinnick itself, uh, but is there something you see as an X factor, something uh, something that really could come out this game, uh, whether that's helping Iowa, you know, get over the edge and, and, and finally put together 
a big offensive game uh, or something that could really, uh, I guess, be a benefit for Michigan? Yeah, I think with Iowa, something that could really benefit them is like I talked about earlier with forcing J.J. McCarthy to be uncomfortable and forcing him to make some of those young mistakes. I mean, there's no doubt that J.J. has NFL upside and could be a really high draft pick one day, and he has all the talent in the world. But as you guys saw in that Maryland game, he he made some decisions that, you know, really seemed to be costly. And I think Iowa's really looking at that and taking taking good notes of what they could do to potentially exploit that and make him really uncomfortable in the pocket. I think I looked at Pro Football Focus yesterday, and I noticed that the McCarthy's rating – um, overall passing rating when blitzed is significantly lower than when the pocket is kept clean. And while that's the case for a lot of people, um, most normal quarterbacks, McCarthy's is like in the teens or something like that. And I think if I was able to get that pressure, whether it be sending four, whether it be sending, you know, potentially a linebacker, whether it be, you know, the cash guy coming, um, cash is that hybrid safety linebacker, uh, role that Iowa has, which Cooper DeGene plays, you know, Iowa can really exploit that and make McCarthy uncomfortable and force him to make quick decisions that could end up being really costly. I mean, as I said before, Iowa is able to take advantage of those defensive of those opponents having those offensive mishaps. And that's been, that's been a key to their success this season. Um, and it happened last year as well. So I think that's going to be important. I think if you're Michigan too, I think one of the key facets um, is definitely be, have Iowa beat you through the air. And if Iowa was able to establish a run game and get push up front and is able to get movement up front, then I think that's going to be the key for Iowa's offense to open things up and potentially get something through the pass game. But if you're able to stuff the run and you're able to really you know keep those guys inside the box and not allow Iowa to get much movement, then – you're going to have to force Iowa to throw the football, and that's not something Iowa wants to do. They, I mean, they'd love to do it. <laughs> they love to be able to do it, but it hasn't been overly efficient this year. And I think that's an area where Michigan can really make a difference in this game, and that's where some of these other teams have really made um, their due. I mean, Iowa State and South Dakota State forced Iowa to throw the football, and, you know, they, they – I mean, they stopped the run too – um, which was really a big part of it, but they were able to really get that pressure up front. And, you know, if, if Michigan's pass rush, which I know Alejandro, you mentioned before, has not been as good as last year. Um, if Michigan's pass rush is able to wake up a little bit more this week and really make more of a, a staple on the game, then that could be, that could be a difference maker as well. All right, Sean, I going to put your reputation on the line here. Uh, this is, you know, Kinnick, House of Horrors and has been for Michigan and many other top programs. Uh, Michigan going on the road, facing an elite defense. And as you touched on, something that Iowa prides itself, and so does Michigan, but an elite special teams unit. Uh, they they really maximize field position and and minimize uh, minimize giving away free yards in the defense and special teams. What do you think is going to happen this weekend? Is this a game Michigan can come in and win, or is it going to be a repeat of 1985, 2016, and so many other examples for so many other top programs? Yeah, I 
I think this Michigan team is definitely more beatable than it was last year. And I think Iowa being a little bit more challenged in non-conference play is going to set it up well. And having a road game is in Michigan, not having a road game yet is going to be important. Um, I think JJ McCarthy, it's probably going to be one of the tougher environments that he plays in this year outside of Ohio state. And I'm, I don't have the exact Michigan road games in front of me, but I mean, Kinnick granted, it's not a night game, but Kinnick during the day is still a really tough place to play. And I think that's going to be, be something that McCarthy has to deal with. Um, but when it comes to on field, I think it's going to be one of those grind them out games. It's going to remind me of 2019, 2016. Um, not some of those games before where there's a little bit high scoring. I think Michigan's offense is going to put up points. I think they'll probably put up – okay, this is this is in terms of Iowa's defense when it comes to putting up points. But I think Michigan can put up 17 or something. The barn well, burner Iowa, right there. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. That's it's considered a lot of points when it's over 22 when you're covering an Iowa game. So um, I, I think Iowa finds a way to squeak it out. Um, I wasn't as confident. Maybe uh, at this time last week, I think the win over Rutgers, granted it's Rutgers, but I think Iowa showed that there's a little bit of life with that offense and showed it against Nevada, granted it's Nevada. And I think there might be some areas where Iowa can exploit Michigan and really make one or two extra plays to end up winning this football game. Now I think Michigan is a much more talented team, but I think Jim Harbaugh, mentioned it too that Iowa doesn't do a lot of things wrong that you can point out and beat them at and I think that's going to come into play and I think there's a really big risk and reward with J.J. McCarthy to a quarterback I think like I said I think he's gonna be a really good quarterback one day but this is his first true road start as a starting quarterback and I think that's going to play a big role for Michigan and for this Iowa defense too. Now, the key for Iowa is going to be establish a run, get moving up front, and don't turn the ball over. If Iowa turns the ball over, it's going to be trouble. You don't want to have the defense on the field too much because, I mean, you know the defense has sometimes been your best offense, but with a team like Michigan who has more speed on the outside that Iowa, as opposed to what Iowa's used to and then in the teams that they played earlier this year, that could be something that Michigan can exploit but if you're Michigan don't turn over the football because Iowa will take advantage of it and even if the offense doesn't punch in they seem to be really reliant on their true freshman field goal kicker and Drew Stevens who's done a good job so far but I think field position is going to be massive I think like I said turning over the football and movement up front um, is going to be key and Michigan or Iowa's going to have to stop Michigan's run game too with with Blake Corum who's coming off a really good game against Maryland so like I said, both teams just can't turn over the football. But if one of them makes that extra mistake or two, which I mean, I always seem to be saying with Iowa and non in conference opponents, because it always seems like their games come down to one or two mistakes, especially when they're playing teams like Michigan. But you need to get some positive momentum moving on offense too, unlike in the 2019 game where it seemed like Iowa would only have maybe one or two yards per per possession. I think they might have had negative rushing yards that game or something like that, but there has to be some offensive movement. If there's not, then 
Michigan can find ways to beat you, but if Iowa can move the ball at least a little bit effectively, I think that could put them in a good spot, granted, or assuming their defense plays to what it's capable of and forcing Michigan to, to turn over the football. Well, we will see on Saturday at noon Eastern on Fox, 11 a.m. Central. Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, For myself over at the Michigan Insider, michigan.247sports.com. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Uh, We will see you at Kinnick on Saturday. Uh, Obviously, more pregame coverage all week long over at the Michigan Insider and over at the Hawkeye Insider. Uh, Until next time, until next week, uh, we'll see you at Kinnick. Peace. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and $15,000 a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control-Alt-Desire, now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.